Welcome to the weekly podcast of East Point Church of God. Pastor Larry Sterling, we invite you to join us in a service soon. We're located at 379 Avenue A, East Point, Florida. Our service times are 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays and 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. We pray that this week's message inspires you to shine the light of Christ to those around you. Genesis chapter 20, 21 tells us the story of Isaac being born to Abraham and Sarah. It's the fulfillment of the promise of God. It's the fulfillment of what he had said that he was going to do in her, in their life. And the moment that the promise shows up, the, here's the thing. The substitute has to leave. The moment here you receive that the moment that the promise walks into your life that which you were holding on to has to go in order to embrace the completeness of the promise of what he has given to you now i recognize the story about hagar and Ish- ishmael last week and i talked about that and kind of gave you the understanding and the, the the completion of their story is is found here in 21 but god has a plan for them and god's going to utilize them but their job their their role in life is no longer to walk with abraham that was for a season that god allowed it to take place but the transition is the moment that the promise comes in everything else has to go to the side so abraham goes in a in a in a area of uh, of the Philistines and makes this lives around Abimelech and Abimelech and him are are battling back and forth over certain things and ultimately they come to this agreement about a well and and they they have this covenant between themselves and they they as they make this covenant Abraham verse 33 of Genesis 21 says then Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba and there called on the name of the Lord the everlasting God now here Abraham's about ready to leave the the area of substitution the area of of everything that he's been holding on to and th- then now he's getting ready to leave and walk into the the land of his destiny the land of his purpose the the idea of his life why he was here he's he's getting ready to leave that thing that he built up and called of God and and and, it, and God kind of broke down that idea of of obviously Ishmael being born to them and he's going to leave Leave these things behind and go forward into the destiny that he's designed to be. Now, what I'm trying to tell you today is that in the, there are times in your life that you will walk in the land of the Philistines in order to recognize the hand of God in your life. But that does not mean that your entire life is to be spent in the land of the Philistines. That means that you were there for a season, you were there for a time, you were there for a moment, but that that land, that day has changed and God is opening a new day, a new destiny, a new path, a new area of living for you in your life. But before Abraham leaves... 
before he leaves. And in fact, it's, it's while he's there. He plants what is called a tamarisk tree. A tamarisk tree is an interesting type of tree. It is a very slow-going tree, growing tree. It's a tree that's going to take some time over a process of years to even be a useful tree for shade. It is a, he plants there, and, and the idea in Hebrew possibly could be that a grove of them, but we know specifically he planted one Tamarisk tree right here by this well of Beersheba. The purpose of planting this tree clearly had something deeper than just a tree being planted at a covenantal meeting. If you, if you want to study something, study the significance of the trees when Abraham and his connection with God. He has trees everywhere when he talks to God. Well, anyway, this tamarisk tree isn't for Abraham. This tamarisk tree is a reminder of that he's been there. It's a reminder for Isaac that your daddy walked down this road and there's the tree that he planted a while ago. It's to remind his children and his grandchildren that you can live in the land of the Philistines and still have the almighty everlasting God operating in your life. You got to learn that sometimes in your life, you're planting tamarisk trees in the midst of your chaotic moment so that, that you may not even see the full growth of them, but your children will, and your grandchildren will, and your great-grandchildren, as the Lord tarries, will show them, and they will remember and tell the story of what God did in your life. It is a reminder of God's presence. And this is why God, uh, excuse me, Abraham calls God the everlasting God. El-Elom, O-L-A-M. It means that, that he is the God. He doesn't have a beginning and he doesn't have an end. When you make a covenant with God, you're not going, he, you can trust that it's going to take place. It's going to happen. Now listen, we, we, we talk about different ones that have gone on in the Lord in this church. Sister Nettie, the most recent one in this, that has regularly attended our church has passed on. But let me tell you something. They've planted tamarisk trees of prayer over this house. We are living right now in the land of the Philistines. This is not our home. You may call it home, but this home, this, this area, this isn't ours. This, this is just where the Bible calls us pilgrims, sojourners going through this time period in our life. We're planting these trees as we journey to our real destination and that is with Jesus Christ forever the everlasting one we are we, we plant these things in our lives that that they they're there to remind us or to remind our children that they were gone but they they are also this tamarisk tree is also a prayer it's also a covenant it's also a moment that they can go back and remember this particular prayer and this particular time let me tell you about this church here. There have been tamarisk trees planted all over these grounds in prayer. And I can tell you, they, there are those that have gone on to be with Jesus, but their prayer is still covering the house of God right here. Why? Because he's an everlasting God. It does, it just because you may not be around anymore does not mean your prayers have not continued to be planted in the house of the Lord. That 
that may not make sense to you now, ask him when you get over there. Because the Bible talks about in Revelation how he takes the prayers of the saints and he pours them out over the world as a moment of judgment. I tell you, he's collecting our prayers. He's remembering our prayers. He knows our prayer and every prayer that's ever been prayed over this house for the last 71 years has been planted in this garden. And some of these prayers, we, we they prayed 20, 30 years ago and this house stands here today as a tamarisk tree to remind everybody what somebody prayed before. However, it's not over yet. We're still planting trees around here. We're still going forward around here. We're still developing the ministry around here. And we are leaving the time of this area of the Philistines and moving into this area. But everybody's going to know that we talk to the Lord. Everybody's going to know that you found the place where you can get the living water in your spirit and your soul. And if they can find you, they can, they can find this well. They can find the presence of God. We talk about it. We say it. We talk about the presence of God. We talk about this, but, but we have this tree. We have this reminder, this, this blessing that the tree is going to be there in a beautiful way. And it tells everybody that you can get your, what you need of here. And in this context, Genesis 22 is then ushered into this moment. Genesis 22 is a very famous story. Now it came to pass after these things, after the planting of the tree. That's where the things. God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here am I. One of the most important things that you're going to have to deal with in your personal walk with God is recognition, recognition that the moment that you, that God has blessed you, He, you're starting to walk in your promise, you're starting to walk in your victory, there will come a moment that you have to, you have to recognize that it's God and God alone who's going to be in control of my life. I tell you, I'll tell you where, when mine happened. I had been in a particular area pastoring a church in Ohio for nine years. And as far as I was concerned, I could have hung out there until retirement. I was enjoying it. I loved it. And the Holy Spirit started troubling my soul about a year or two before we, we, went, we, we ended up moving. And the reality was, is that at a particular moment in time, and it happened so rapidly, that once God began to move, you had to move with God. And at that moment, I had owned my house where I was, and the Holy Spirit told me to put my house on the market, and to sell, and to move on, and to follow His leading over my life. And not that I had was in the wrong place, it's just, that season had completed. That season was now over. And when I sold my house, and when I put my house on the market, I was very dis- disappointed. We were very, Jennifer and I, we were very sad. That was our, that was our house. You know, we bought that. We, we, we had that. That belonged to us. Our children were born 
And was, was, we, were, we raised them as they were little, little in that house. They, there's so many special things. It wasn't anything uh, elaborate. It wasn't something, uh, you know, fantastic. But it was ours. It belonged to me. I had not owned a house before that moment. As a pastor, I, I, I started, you know, when they talk about people coming up in the ministry, well, I started broke. I mean, it started very, I didn't have anything when I went to the ministry, and I, and uh, everything that I had up to that moment, I was, it was the Lord had given to me, and I was so excited that I had my own home. It was mine. And the Holy Spirit said, I know you love this place. I know this is important to you. But what you have to do is sell everything and come follow me. And so we sold it. We put it on the market. And we let it go. And in that moment of transition, then I had to go through emotional turmoil, emotional, emotional problems in my own personal life that, I, that I, I was just struggling with this and struggling with this and struggling with this and my wife as well. And we were together just in an upheaval and trusting the Lord saying, God, we, we, we're trusting you. We need your help. We need your guidance. We, we need you. And the whole point is, and God's showing me this week and showing me how to speak to you this week, is the purpose of your ministry, the purpose of your destiny, everything you have need of to walk in your promise begins with you showing up. That's the first step. You see, most of the time, you'll succeed in life if you just show up. You see, if you show up to work, that's half the battle. You can't complain if you don't show up. You can't complain. And, and God calls out to Abraham. And he says, Abraham. And God tested him. And he said, and Abraham said, here I am, God. I, I'm right here. I, I'm in this place. I'm in the place where you told me to be. I'm in the place where you're, you're telling me to step. I have this moment where I'm, I've got it good, God. I've, I've got my little baby boy, Isaac. I'm, I'm doing well in life. Things are going well. Sarah, she's, she's old as the dirt, but she's doing good with this baby. Everything's going great, God. Here I am. What, what do you need, God? I'm ready to kind of sit at ease. I'm ready to just enjoy this thing. And then God says, now take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering, one on the mount of, on one of the mountains on which I shall tell you. And so then you hear, God, I'm sure I didn't hear you right. Say what? What, what, what did, what did you just say, God? I mean, this is what I would do. I, God, I'm not real sure I understood. The, 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 the requirement. God, I'm not sure I understood the process. I'm not sure I understood what you're saying. And he said, no, you've got to go and take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him as a sacrifice. It is literally an impossible request. It is a thing that, it's not a, just a, anything minor. This is the son whom he's promised. This is the son that he loves. And God is saying you got to give him up. The Bible says, 
Verse 3, so Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took his two, two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and he split the wood for the burnt offering and he arose and went to the place which God had told him. The first thing Abraham does, he starts out is he gets up early. Listen, the first t- sign of obedience in your life is don't linger about it. I, I kid around about saying, God, did you, did I really hear you right? But the text does not give you anything like that. It basically says, Abraham got up early in the morning and obeyed God. He got up early in the morning and he prepared everything the way God had prepared. Why? Because he believed God was an everlasting God. He believed that God was going to do what he promised he was going to do. And then the, so then as they go forward, verse four, then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. They were walking for three days. Far away from where he was, far away from his, his, his comfort zone, far away from where he could just turn around and run back. He went three days and saw, finally saw the place where God was directing him. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. I'm sure you've probably heard this pointed out to you before. There is an element of faith in Abraham's speech here. He's basically telling them, we will come back to you. Hey, we know that he has been, I know that God has told me to do something. I know that God has told me to to prepare this place. I know what God has said to me, but I also know what he's promised me in my life. And he is the fulfiller of my promises. And I don't know how he's going to do it, but because he promised that Isaac shall be my seed and my miracle is coming through him and my favor is coming through him, I don't know what he's going to do, but I know he's coming down with me. I know he's coming back with me. Uh, Hear me today. I'm speaking to somebody. Somebody, you're questioning God. You're wondering why, God, is this happening? God, why is this happening? You have to get back to the place that you remember your first time that God put that miracle in your spirit, in your soul, and you got to tell the devil, and you got to tell everybody around you, I know what I'm facing right now, but I'm coming out of this thing. I'm coming back with my miracle. I'm coming back with my promise. I'm coming back with my victory. I will not die here. Verse 6. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And the two of them went, excuse me, went together. Now, there is, there is a blessing here. Abraham noticed what the son is carrying. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac. The idea is how do you carry wood up the way we're talking about? More than likely, he tied it off with some type of rope and he put it on the back of his son and his son carried the wood up on up the mountain. But Abraham, he took the fire in his hand and the knife in 
His hand. We are walking in a place where generations need to be, understand their rule. You see, there are the younger generation has to learn the rule that you got to learn to carry the wood of ministry. You got to learn to carry the the elements of the sacrifice. You got to learn to carry the burden. You got you're not just going to get this thing handed to you. You got to learn some things about ministry. You got to learn some things about serving God. So we're going to tie these things up and we're going to put it on your back and you're going to carry them for a little while so that you can understand what it means to serve God. But then the older, the elder has to do something very important. He's got to have the means by which the sacrifice is going to take place. And the second thing is, is he's got to have the fire in his hand. I can tell you, it doesn't matter how old you get, you better never let your fire go out. You better never allow the fire of the Holy Spirit to die out in you. Your children are desperate to see the fire of God. And they haven't been around long enough to know what the fire is like. And you've got to carry it with you. I don't care if you can't carry the wood anymore. That's what your son's doing. I don't care that you can't carry that wood up that road. You're not useless. You still have fire that you're holding on to. That if we just called you one night, you can call down the glory of God just like Elijah did and bring the fire back to the wood on the altar. Never let your fire go out, church. Never let it go out. And he says... And he goes on and get, now they go together. Now here's the idea. I heard our, our presiding bishop, general overseer, Tim Hill, point this out one time. He said, he said the most important thing about this text is that word together. He said the older and the younger generation have to rise up Mount Moriah together. The reality is, is that we're not going to, if we worship without our young people, we are going to die. You cannot go into your inheritance without the younger generation coming up with you. You, you can get everything you want. You can have a beautiful place of worship, but if you don't bring your young people along with you and walk up Mariah together, the church is going to die. And so he, they together, they rose up Mount Moriah. They walked up Mount Moriah. And then Isaac, one of the few times Isaac even speaks in Scripture, he says, Isaac, excuse me, Isaac says, my father, he said to his father, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. Then he said, look the fire and the wood, where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Now, this actually verse 7 is the most important verse, I believe, in this entire passage. This, this, this passage right here, this little verse, verse 7, is so important. Let me show you why. In Genesis 22, there are three statements of here, here I am. Here I am. It begins in Genesis 22, verse 1. God says, Abraham. And Abraham says, here I am. Genesis, in this particular case, Genesis verse 7. He says, Isaac asks him, he says, my father. And Abraham says, here I am, my son. And verse 11. The angel of the Lord called to, Abraham, called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And Abraham says, here I am. There are three here I am's in this passage, this particular passage. And these three are important. But listen, in, in, in understanding Hebrew, many times if you have a, an issue of three, number two is what you need to know. 
If you have an issue of three, usually number two is the most important thing. It's the apex or the zenith of, of what you're going after and most of the time. And the reality is, is that here I, second here I am is probably the most important hinge pin of this entire story because if Abraham's not there at that moment, the whole story breaks down. You see, here's what I'm going with here. Abraham is standing there, and now Isaac has gotten to the top of the mountain with his father, and they are looking around, and the fa- and Abraham says, Abraham's looking around, and Isaac's looking around, and Isaac says, says, where's the sacrifice, Dad? My father, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham answers, my father. And he says, here I am. Let me tell you, the most important moment of, as I said, success is showing up. But the most important part of that success is showing up when it is the hardest day of your life. When it's the hardest moment. You know, if it was me and my son, I'd be tempted to be running over the other side of the mountain. I'd be tempted to be running around the side of the mountain. I'd be tempted to run away from what God was telling me to do. And, and Isaac calls to his father in the midst of this pain. Imagine what Abraham, going through Abraham's mind. Imagine him remembering how God has talked to him. Imagine him remembering how God has, has brought him to this place. Imagine all these things running through his mind. And then his precious son tells him, my father, he basically saying, where are you, father? Where are you, dad? Where, my father. And Abraham says, here I am. This is what you got to get in your spirit today and possibly the most important thing for somebody here today. You've got to walk in the midst of your storm and it hasn't calmed down and it's still raging and the waves are still coming over your boat and when you hear the voice saying, where are you? You've got to have enough gumption and boldness and strength and vigor in the Holy Spirit to tell the wind and the waves and the storm and the disease and the sickness, here I am. I have not left. I don't want to be here. And I don't want to be in this storm. And I don't want to be in this thing. But I will not run. I will not run. I will not run. I will not run. I will stand my ground. And I will be right where I need to be. This is possibly the most important thing for you. Don't run. Don't give up. Don't regard it and throw it away. Recognize that God has a plan right now and you've got to show up and say, I'm right here. I don't understand it, Isaac. I don't understand what's going on. I, I'm not I'm not privy to the mind of God, but I'm not going to run. I planted you that tree in the garden a little while ago and I want you to know that you can trust in the Lord, the everlasting one. I want you to know that you can trust in God, our Father. I want you to trust in him and so when it comes time I'm not just serving him when it feels good and I'm not just serving him when I feel like it or when everything's going my way I'm going to serve him when even it feels like God is against me I shall still serve the Lord amen go ahead praise God then it goes on the Bible says Verse 8, 
Abraham's expression of faith. My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. What is Abraham saying here? He's telling him, I've been with the Lord. I know his voice. I've been with him too long to know he's going to leave me now. And even though I don't have my answer yet, I know he's going to provide me one. I don't have the end of the storm. I'm still in the minute in the middle of it, but I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. I'm not allowing the waves to intimidate me. I'm not allowing the situation to intimidate me. And I and it, and everybody's asking you and talking to you and saying things to you where what's going on and you stand there and you say I'm right here. And then they say, "Well, what's going on?" And you could say this, "God is about ready to provide." God is about ready to provide for himself. You see, this is the thing. It's not going to be my strength, and it's not going to be my wisdom, and it's not going to be my understanding. God is going to take care of everything all by himself. He's going to do it. In fact, 2,000 years later, on the very same mountain, Mount Moriah, there will be a lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. His name is his only son, Jesus Christ, and he provided for himself. On the very same mountain, that lamb that was crucified and pierced for your transgressions and bruised for your iniquities, the chastisement of your peace was put upon him. And by his stripes, you are healed. God provided the lamb in Jesus Christ alone. On the very same mountain. And so Abraham saying, it shall be provided. Do not fear, my son. So they go on. Then they came to the place which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Listen to me, parents. You, the hardest job you're going to have to do in your parenting is turning your children over to the Lord. You can only take them to the top of the mountain. they got to go the rest of the way. You cannot make them worship God. You can only train them on how to worship God. And show them they have to do it themselves. If you do it for them all the time, they'll never worship God. You've got to get them to the place where they know how to call down the fire of God all by themselves. You gotta, they got to be able to learn that I don't I love my daddy, I love my mama, I, I but I, I can get to my own prayer closet and the fire can enter into that room right there. You've gotta get to the place where you have trained them and showed them. I remember early in my ministry, my my mother and my wife and I, we prayed regularly together. God used that in a mighty way to help me regularly direct our ministerial steps, that God would speak to us in those prayer times as the three of us would pray together. Something very treasured to me. And I also remember the day the Holy Spirit told me, don't do it. I mean, don't do it regularly like that anymore. I mean, you can still call your mother for prayer, but you need to do it yourself. You need to do it yourself. I'm like, God, it's really easy having my mom with me. And God says, I know. But now it's time for you to grow up, son. 
I'm in my 20s. And he's like, you need to do it yourself. You need to pray it in yourself. And so we get Isaac here. And I'm hurrying. We're almost to the end. And he says, the angel of the Lord, Abraham took, stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven saying, Abraham, Abraham. And the last one is here I am. Man, I tell you what. We don't have any statement of emotion in that here I am here. But I can guarantee you there's a lot of emotion in that here I am. There's a lot of thank you Jesus moment right there. There's a lot of God, don't ever do that again kind of emotion coming out of your soul right there. There's a lot of God, I'm following you. I'm letting you, I'm turning my babies over to you. I'm not touching them. I'm allowing them. But now God tells them, He says, don't put your hand on this child. Don't come against him. Now I know something about you, Abraham. Now I know something about you. I know, verse 12, I know that you fear God since you not have not withheld your son, your only son from me. When you recognize this third, here I am, you get to the moment of praise. It's the moment where you begin to shout. You know, here I am, God. I'm right here. We just got the good report. We just got the miracle. We just got the blessing. We just got the anointing. We just, the change just broke off. Everything just fell off. And God comes down and you have a spiritual joy, rejoicing moment. And you get to stand in the benefit of the fruit of here I am. But hear me today. Many people give up before the third here I am. They don't want to receive the third one. Well, they do, but they don't want to take what it costs to get to there. But I want to tell you there's a cost to your anointing. There's a cost to your worship. You, this is why you should not judge somebody else's worship. You don't know what price they had to pay that week to get there at this moment right now. You don't know what, why, why are they weeping and crying and why are they kneeling before the Lord? Why are they acting like that? Well, you didn't know how they were treated all week long, but God brought them out and the Holy Spirit brought them through and you don't know what they've been through and so you can't judge there. Here I am. God just pulled the knife out of their hand. God just delivered them. God just set them free. God just brought them into their anointing. That is why they're praising the Lord today. So he finishes his story. Sister, if you go ahead and come to the piano. He finishes his story. Verse 13. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. And it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. As we close this morning, why do you need to walk up this path? Why do you need to journey down up this mountain? Because you, got, you have a destiny to meet God. you got a destiny to meet Him in a place to know Him as Jehovah Jireh. The Lord, your provider. You, you, your destiny is the place where God has planted you and placing you and taking you 
And you've got to realize He's going to provide for you in all areas of your destiny. You can't, in this world, we don't get to tell God. When I left Ohio, I really was thinking I was going somewhere else. I thought my destiny was in a particular different church. I thought that's where I was going. I thought that was the place I was heading. And God just put a hard right turn and sent me south. This, we don't get to choose the destiny. But we do get to choose the journey. Will you walk with Him? Will you stay on the road? Will you stay right there when it doesn't make sense? And you don't have all the answers. And then the moment that he does, the moment that he shows up, I can tell you from experience, he's my Jehovah Jireh. And I don't mean this in a way where it's just his name. No, I've been there and I haven't known how to pay bills and he's paid them for me. I haven't known how to handle. I've told you them stories so many times. I don't, I don't want to bore you again, but he's paid hospital bills for me. Thousands of dollar hospital bills. I, didn't, I get a letter from the board of the hospital for Children's Hospital in Columbus. They couldn't pay that bill about my son. And we just decided to cancel your bill. He's Jehovah child. I've been with him too long tell you any other thing but he'll take care of you he'll take care of you because you walk with him because he's beside you because he cares about you what then shall we say to these things if God is for us who can be against us he who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all how shall he not with him also freely give us all things how much is all it's all Jehovah Jireh he's your all provider just stand that's where God wants me to finish stand with me right here he is your all provider he provides your health he provides your wealth he provides everything your material your spiritual, your emotional, everything. He is your Jehovah Jireh. He is your provider. Romans 8 tells us we can't, there's nothing else that we can do but just trust Him. He's for you, not against you. You may not have the answer yet, but it's coming. And when it does come, Make sure you praise. Make sure you tell everybody about His provision. Tell everybody how He set you free. Tell everybody how He provided. I tell you, God is going to use you for the victory of somebody else. It will go from you to another person to another person as the victory begins to pour it out upon your family and your home. Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast of East Point Church of God and Pastor Larry Sterling. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. 
the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.